Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome back to New Dead City Podcast. As always, it is your host, Kevin P. So I'm driving back home from work. I worked uh, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. today. And uh, I got about 45, 50 minutes left, depending on traffic. So I figured, why not go ahead and record something? I'm still doing the the daily podcasts, and I'm up to eight followers now. I can't believe that. So that's pretty cool. I really think it is. I think it's a testament of hard work, testament to the experience that I share, and at least eight people find my information valuable enough to keep coming back. So whoever those eight are, thank you. I really appreciate it. I really do. So, last time we left off with the story, well, Erica and my story, and now Axel. Axel is in our life. Axel had just been born. And I got to speak about that awesome, awesome moment. And I think I left off just as we were either being transferred to the waiting room or um anyway I guess I'll just start from there so so obviously Axel was born he was born 19 and a half inches 7 pounds 3 ounces or 7 pounds 13 ounces I, I I can't remember. I feel terrible. <laughs> God forbid I don't know the ounces, right? I feel like it's something I should know, though, so shame on me. However, he was early. He was preterm, like I said. And the doctor, I don't know the title of the woman that that is the birthing doctor, so we'll just say doctor for namesake. Um... But she said that if Erica went to full term, she was looking at birthing a 9 to 10 pound baby. And with Erica being that small, I was like, oh, good God. And we kind of chalked it up to Axel. We think Axel just ran out of room because he was so big and Erica was so tiny. I don't think her skin and belly could have gotten much bigger. I think it was at max capacity. But, uh... But it was pretty cool having, you know, that it was pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't mention this before, but they ask you, at least our doctors ask, like, hey, do you have a name picked out? And at that time, we had Silas and Axel. If you've listened to, I think it was the second episode with my buddy Cody, Fatherhood Beyond Bloodlines, which that's the most popular one, by the way, which is pretty cool. His little, his little adopted boy, his, his name is Silas, so I had to kind of ask permission in advance, like, hey man, like, do you care if I, uh, we use this name, we really like it, and of course he was real cool about it, and was like, yeah, I don't care, man, but I still felt kind of, kind of bad asking to use that name, you know, and then we were watching Always Sunny one day, and good old Sweet D Reynolds on that show, I think she was... She was either carrying 
I think she was carrying her baby. And, uh, yeah, she was carrying her kid. And she uh, came up, she came up with the name Axel. And that really piqued Erica's interest. So we had come between Silas and Axel. And we, we leaned more towards Axel because we couldn't really come up with a middle name for Silas that we liked. I originally wanted him to be named James uh, from my great uncle, uh, great uncle Jim. I loved that man when he was younger. He hasn't been with us for probably 15, 20 years. Nah, probably closer to 15. But anyway, so we, we kind of were going to use that as a middle name because Erica's mother, her maiden name is James. So we kind of fit the bill pretty, pretty easily. But then we switched from Siles to Axel. And we didn't want anybody calling him AJ. And we just didn't like it. Like, we, we thought the name Axel was way too cool. It just sounded awesome. And we were like, we want people to call him Axel. So we picked out his middle name, Reed. So his, his name is Axel Reed. And it I think it flows really well. I, I love his name. And uh, I've never heard anybody named AR. So it works out, right? But anyway, it was, it's really cool, guys, when you get to see your, your son or your daughter's name written on that board. Or if you have multiples, twins, triplets, and plus. It's really cool to see that because it's starting to become a reality. Granted, the wife, your wife's belly and her water breaking and her and her just her gown in the hospital bed and you with no sleep within the last day or two is, is pretty damn real. But once you see the name of your child written up on there and the, the dry erase marker. It, man, it just hits. It's so, it's so freaking cool. And, um, we, we were walking and we, I, after, after he was born, they cleaned him up and everything. And mom did the skin to skin, which is very special. That is a great moment. I just sat there next to Erica and Axel as she got to sit there and hold her child that she carried for nine months in birth. And I'm sitting there still crying because it's like, oh man, like, you know, I finally get to be, finally get to be a father and a dad. And I get to see my wife be a mother who she never expected. She didn't expect herself to ever be a mother. And she just, that just, that biology just took over and it was just instant love. And I, I've said it before to numerous people, that love that you share with your child when you see them come out they can't even hold a conversation at the very least they can't even open their eyes yet and you just have this emotion rush it is such a natural high that trumps any drink that I've ever taken in my life and I don't know how to explain it the only way that I can explain it is by saying it like this and another dad, another father talk to me about it that's already experienced it because they're the, they only understand um, and it, um, it's such a wonderful feeling so we're on our way transferring down to, the, uh, to a room and since he was born early they had to check a lot of stuff on him you know one thing is, thank goodness he wasn't too premature because it would have been worse. 
Uh, my heart goes out to all the parents that have to go through that. And it, it was just rough seeing Axel in his treatment. And I'll go on and talk about that. So we got settled into the room. Luckily, Eric that I have on the podcast, um, the guy that I, I do Empowered Homefront with, he, him and his wife immediately pe- picked up the phone and they took the three kids there to the apartment and they were, they took care of the dogs three times a day. It was morning, noon, and night. They made sure. And they stayed there with them too and pet them, watched TV, played with them, whatever. And um, that's just one of those little things to me that showed that, you know, I got, I got really good friends in the Howe family. This Eric has just, Eric is just one of those people that is dependable and sticks to his word and his wife emulates those same characteristics as well. And his children, even down to the, what Jack Jack was probably three or three at the time or four at the time. Like it, it's just amazing. And, um, and so we get down there and, uh, we get rested and the blood test showed that Axel's glucose levels were low and they needed to bring them up. And don't quote me on this, but I think the, what they had to do is they had, um, I think they eventually gave him like this jelly substance and they, they put it in his mouth and he, he just swallowed it honestly. And, uh, and like, it was, it was basically like a, um, you ever see those little chewies that marathon runners carry? It's just a burst of sugar. It was essentially the same thing as that, except in like a a slimy jelly kind of consistency. So it just went right down, you know, was starting into his belly. Uh, and it was super, super hard to see that happen because what they do is they take his, they take their heel and they come in with this little, it looked like a little rectangle, like a little ear piercing gun, and they push it and prick the ankle, and they have to push their thumb from the ball near, ball the foot near the toes all the way down to the heel to get the blood out. And there was so many times where I wanted to get up and defend him because he was crying, and I'm, I'm getting kind of emotional thinking about it now. Um, and like, oh my God, it, it hurts so bad to see it. Like I had to look away half the time. And then after that, like Erica or me were comforting him or we both were after that. Cause you could just, I mean, it, it, he's never going to remember it, but that's a memory that Erica and I have. And, uh, after a little bit, he, he came back, his blood glucose levels turned, they, they, uh, corrected. And then the net, we we're like, oh, hell yeah, we're going, we're going home. And then they're like, wait a minute. No, his bilirubin is, I think it was high. And that, you know, most children who are early, the doctor had told us, bilirubin's going to be an issue, which resulted in jaundice. And to put it simple, his skin was yellow. Pictures that you see, eyes and skin were yellow. And it was really weird. I'd never seen that in person before. Um, you know, as a little sidebar, as a drinker, I always, ho- I always not hoped, uh, terrible. Uh, <laughs> I always was worried that I, I wouldn't get, I was going to get jaundice, and I always hoped that I, I didn't get it. And I always looked up pictures like all the time whenever I was drinking. I was like, oh man, my eyes don't look, my eyes look foggy today. So like that's how I knew what jaundice was. But seeing it on a day old 
two-day-old baby was just very heartbreaking. And the treatment is very simple, yet it's complex and it's difficult for the parents in the same, you know, at the same time. So the way to get rid of the, or not the way to get rid of jaundice, but the, the way to break the bilirubin up that was left in the skin was constant feedings, like if not feed him, you know, till he's going to pop, but keep the feedings regular. We were feeding him, uh, two, one to two ounces. Like he was barely taking an ounce in the beginning, but he was eating every hour to two hours. So, which was good. So he was still taking fluids in and the, the bill of ribbon will eventually come out in their poop and you, they vitamin D in the sun helps sunlight helps break it up and it just his levels weren't his levels would look like they were going in the right direction and then the next time they would come in and take a blood test it would be back up and it's like well fuck like what do we you you feel helpless like I felt helpless because I couldn't help Erica push the baby out and she's in excruciating pain besides or she wanted I would say like more exhaustion because she had the epidural but you got, you got, you, dads, you know what I mean. Guys, you know what I mean when I'm, when I'm saying that. I felt more useless that I couldn't cure my son. I couldn't help. I couldn't expedite the process. Because I just wanted to get home so bad. Because even the bed that Erica was sleeping on was terrible. And Forsyth Hospitals lauded for their, for their baby department. And the, 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 uh, the postnatal care and all that. Uh, and I was sleeping on that, the little shitty couches that they have. What was me? <laughs> so on top of the feeding and keeping the blinds open. And of course there's a fucking tree right outside our window and we couldn't do anything about it. And most of the days were overcast. So it's like. He's still getting the sunlight. The sunlight's still coming through. But we're like, oh my God, like this is just really playing out in our bad luck. All the while, I get an email and a phone call saying, hey, your medical hardship at work is denied again. We want more paperwork. So it's like, when it rains, it fucking pours. Uh, But I kind of pushed that part in the back of my head. Like, I didn't want that overshadowing the fact that my, my first and only child had just been born, you know, a day ago. So what they do is they, they have this bed. It's like a, uh, it looks like a tanning bed almost. And you, so normally your, your baby's going to be swaddled up. We did, uh, we were doing double swaddles and I became the swaddle master, man. Like, oh man, I could wrap that shit tighter than you, you, you think. And, uh, so they bring in this table. They eventually brought the table, and they're like, all right, we're going to do a few days of light treatment, and we're going to see how it, it, it turns out. So what they do is they basically give them a sleep mask, and you Velcro it around the top of the back, you know, top of their ears, and then back around the bottom on the, their, the nape of their neck. And uh, and then you put your, their little little hat on, their cute little hat, and you, you strip them down to the, just the diaper, and you 
lay them you lay them on their back on this table and it's it's not a uv light but it's a, a blue light and i guess the blue light breaks it up and thankfully as a newborn all they do is fucking sleep all they do is sleep and then when they wake up they're eating you burp them go back to sleep and the occasional diaper you gotta change so we we they needed the room luckily the hospital didn't have an, a rush or an influx of pregnant mothers that were giving birth or that were having complications so they let they let us stay in this room how they did that was my insurance I think only allowed two nights three days for Erica underneath her name but since Axel was now having the uh, I'm sorry I'm distracted why does this person have their flashers on in front of me for no reason oh boy I love North Carolina, but you Southerners have no clue how to drive. I'd love to see you all up in Philly one day. Whew. You'd learn how to be an assertive driver then, boy. I'll tell you what. Uh, so since Axel was the patient now, they still build it under Erica's name, but we got the insurance worked out, and we didn't. the insurance company even told us, don't pay anything. Wait till you get the, the name. He gets his own insurance. And I get his name on there. And then you can go back and we'll rebuild it. And it turned out, like, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, my program, the federal program, 100% maternity care. I think the only thing we paid for was when they stitched up Erica's hoo-ha. And I think a, f a few things for Axel. But it was it was under 500 bucks. It was amazing. Uh... So we get transferred to the NICU unit, and I think that's, it's like newborn infant care unit or something. Don't quote me on that, but it, it's along that kind of name. You, you at least get the idea of what a NICU is. N-I-C-U. Or newborn intensive care unit, there we go. And, uh, and we're in this other smaller room where there's nothing for me to sleep on. There's a bed for Erica, there's the light table for Axel, and then there's a recliner to relax in and watch TV if, if you can relax at the time. And I was so worked up, my anxiety was through the roof, my depression was fucking snowballing, and not in a good way, that I was like, I was like, baby, I, there's nowhere for me to sleep here, I can't sleep on this tile, I'm, I'm not going to get any rest. And I eventually started going home and sleeping and coming back while Erica stayed there. So I would stay till about 10 at night, wake up at 6, go get us breakfast, and then come back to the hospital and stay there all day. It was long. And thank God that I am a federal worker because I sympathize and empathize with those who do not get maternity or paternity leave. It is fucking asinine that jobs don't offer a minimum of at least six weeks for the parents. A minimum. And I, that's, I'll leave it at that for healthcare. I, will, I told y'all I wouldn't go into politics and stuff, and that usually is what all these topics <laughs> transform into. And I'm not doing it! 
I'm not doing it. You will not get me, New Dad Podcast, New Dad City Podcast audience. You won't get me. So we were in the we were in the uh, the NICU for about seven days total, and finally on that seventh day he was at the right limit, and they were like, "Yeah." They came back and they were like, "Hey, he doesn't need the light therapy anymore." And I was like, "All right." Then they're like, "All right, we think you'll leave by three. And that's or no, what they say noon. So we're like, "Okay, cool." Noon came around and the test still hadn't been done, and by th- I think three they came back and we're like. Hey, his test is good. Uh, we'll we'll get all the paperwork sorted out. I think we left around five five thirty, and that was such a weight lifted off our shoulders. It was almost liberating. And uh, getting him, and we were in a one bedroom apartment because he was early. And the house that we live in now in Raleigh, we were supposed. Well, we did, but at the time speaking in past tense for the future if that makes sense Axel was born on June 2nd and we were supposed to move on June 26th well Axel's original due date was July 2nd and we were supposed to move so it's at June 26th, 27th, 28th 29th, 30th, that's 5 days a week prior, 6 to 7 days prior to him being born and Erica was all about it. The the people that the, our landlord uh, Ned and Rosie, they were awesome. They worked with us a lot. They actually had the, they actually talked to the tenant, previous tenant, and they moved out uh, a day prior. It was supposed to actually get backed up a day to the twenty seventh, but they had worked it out. They, oh, those people are blessed too. I love I love living in their house and renting with them. They're beautiful people. The greatest. And, uh, and the one-bedroom apartment thing, boy, whew, you felt like there wasn't any room with three dogs, a, a wife before. Now it's like, now it's really ain't got no room. Like, what was me again? Like, you know, not only did I have to sleep on that shitty hospital bed, but I, now I couldn't even get to my computer while, you know, when I wanted to do whatever on it, video games when I was bored, you know, uh, write stuff up. I, I, like, I had this idea for New Dad City, even before I even knew I had it. Because I, I immediately fell in love. One, with my son. And two, which, that still feels so surreal to me, saying, yes, this is my son. Um, <laughs> it's so cool. It still feels so surreal. But it is it is real. It really is. It happened. And it, it is. I'm going home to him today, and I just, I'm all smiles right now while talking to you guys. And, uh, yeah, and anyway, so, like, the, the, the one-bedroom apartment, thank Christ, thank God that he blessed us with um, getting a new house. And and the new one we moved into, our friends moved us. My, my really, really good friend, Jonathan, him and his brother created this moving company. And it's, uh, I'm not... I'm not affiliated with them, but I will share them if anybody's in North Carolina. And they move all across the U.S. too. Uh, Carolina Moving and Storage, based out of Raleigh, North Carolina. I was their very first customer. I was their guinea pig, and it was awesome. They were some of the most professional people that I've ever worked with. And I only knew Jonathan. I didn't even know his brother. And the, the three people, four people that they had moving all of our stuff, they were super careful. 
everything came back perfect. There was no dents or nothing. And when we got to the new house, there was no scratch on the walls besides what was already there prior to us moving in. Moving on. I am in such a ranting and wonderful mood today, so I apologize. Or do I really? <laughs> so we moved in this house. We have four, four bedroom, two and a half bath, two car garage, two story. And I think it's like 1,800 square feet. It is a beautiful home. Little picket white fence in the, the backyard for the dogs for when Axel gets older and runs around because we do not plan on moving. Especially with the way the market is, there's no way we plan on moving. Especially when rent is at the price that they're giving it to us. They, whew, amazing. So, moving on, like the first month, uh, we'll just we'll we'll transition into this because I said I would talk about it. So the first month, Axel pretty much ate, slept, pee, peed and shit, and that was it. Excuse me. And then he really started waking up and interacting and smiling around a month. Um, and during that little first month, we were we had a little scare because we, we almost had to take him back to the hospital because his level his jaundice levels jump or his jaundice his bilirubin levels jumped up just over the lower limit again for a little bit. But thankfully the, the doctor we had at the time in Winston kind of was like, I think it'll go down. Like he's right on the edge. I'm not too worried about it. Because his skin was still a little bit yellow uh, on his belly. It was starting to dissipate. You can see his arms are starting to get that red color. And his face was kind of red too. But his, his upper body and like part of his thighs still had that jaundicey yellow color. Thankfully, after a couple days, it was completely gone. And I, I just think that was because of him just eating more. Because, you know, as they get older, you jump up the, the volume, the amount of ounces per feeding that you're giving him. And boy, can that kid eat. Holy cow. Uh, whew. And um, I, with this, I'd like to talk, I'm going to talk about some parenting mistakes. Because I know that's a big thing. Like, how do I know what to do? How do I do this, this, and that? And I'm going to do that on the next episode. Y'all thought you were going to get the information from me now, but uh-uh. I'm going to say that for another episode. I think it'd be a good lengthier one, long form uh, podcast for you. So we went through the, the, the trials and tribulations of learning how to parent. Like, what does this cry mean? What does that cry mean? Is he hungry? It's only been, it's only been an hour and he's fussing like he's hungry, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we studied all the signs, like fists closed, sucking like, nah, 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 like sticking his tongue out. Like, it's like, all right, I guess he's hungry. So it was all it was a lot of trial and error because Erica and I didn't have any immediate family within the, within the immediate area to come help. You know, her her my parents live up in northern Delaware. Her dad is about an hour hour and a, no, longer than that. Her dad's about two and a half hours by this time because we're in Raleigh. And then her mom lived down south uh was what is uh was living down south in Georgia so it was just us and the only advice we could get was 
one through YouTube, two articles, three calling people, you know, our, our relatives, our parents, and then uh, friends as well. And then the last one is just, like I said, trial and error. Like, you, and those trial and error times, oof, they can create some arguments, they can create resentments. And that's where I really stress the communication that I've talked about numerous times on here with your spouse or partner, whomever you have this child with. I usually refer to wife or spouse because that's the situation I'm in. So, um, yeah, if I ever say that, now you guys know even 35 podcast episodes in, but I'm sure you got that notion already, that memo. But the first month, every month that we get into, we look back and it's like you don't forget what it was like, but you kind of do because there's so much more happening. Like in month two is when he started making noises, when he started smiling. You know, he's getting a little chunkier. His face is starting to develop a little bit more. Uh, he's not all giant dad, you know, daddy's giant nose. He's not daddy's ears. You know, he still has mom's big, blue, beautiful eyes. And I'm so glad that he retained beautiful eyes, his mom's beautiful eyes, because I have dookie brown eyes. Brown's basic as shit, like, blah, blah, blah. And he's got brown hair, so, like, the, the blue eyes was something I really prayed and prayed for since the day I found out Erica was pregnant, and... It came true. Sorry, someone was trying to swerve into my lane and they were on their phone staring at it. And I'm not being contradictory or hypocritical because my phone is down in the charging station and I have a microphone hooked up to my sunglasses. And I did all this in a traffic jam stop. So I was safe. So you better not be judging me. <laughs> Ugh. So that was the first and second month. The third month, trying to really think what he was doing then. I think in the transition of the third to fourth month is when he started rolling from his uh, belly to his back. And he started holding his head up a lot more. He was getting his, his, his neck control really, like, boom, like that. He, it was like, whoa. And he was doing it, like, a little bit, like, at a month and two months old, but we didn't think nothing of it. I thought it was just him, like, his body being reactionary. And it, it took him. We were, we were probably at three months before he finally started sleeping through the night. And I'm not saying that to scare parents or anything because my buddy John, his kid was born, I think, I think three weeks after. I think she's three weeks younger than Axel. And I think at like six to eight weeks, she was sleeping through the night and hasn't, you know, still doing it as far as I know. He hasn't said anything. And it's just like, you know, those are the parents and I look at them just like, you know, I'm fucking lucky you got it. You know, meanwhile, we're, we're, we're blessed with four hours straight of sleep. Uh, so it can be tough. But how you react to those tough times means everything. And it sets the tone and the environment. And Erica and I have kind of switched spaces. Erica was 
the anxious, I need to check on him every five minutes person in the beginning. And, and I was like, hey, he's fine. You know, he, no, you know, baby has, you know, this doesn't happen with babies. Like they do that normally, like you're, you're overthinking. And that was me dumbly trying to calm her down. Um, and now it's just like, I can't, like, I can only take so many minutes of him crying before, like, I start feeling my, my gears grinding, and I'm like, oh, like, just please stop crying, and her, she's more tolerant of it now, and I think it's because she was doing the stay-at-home mom thing for, you know, four and a half months before we, we finally put him in daycare after her little unfortunate stint, uh, in the, in the perinatal clinic, uh, but I, I, the, I think the toughest things through the, the first four months and now going on month five into month six is the, the random sleep regression that you come across. And looking back at it, I wasted so much time not sleeping trying to do other things to catch up on where it's like I had the tools to do it I created that sleep pack guide and I used them I really did like for nap time napping and stuff I, I really really used it and then like there was times where I was just so overtired that I couldn't sleep and then I would get up and go do work and then I'd be like man I'm really sleepy I should have just stayed in bed and Erica did the same friggin' thing. And, uh, and it's just like, no, no matter, no matter what you do at the time, everything that is in that sleep hack guide came from my experience and it a hundred percent works. I guarantee it. But you're going to hit these walls where you think it, these things, it's like, oh, well, that's a lie. That doesn't work. It, you cannot think that way. It's just the baby's development. It is them growing. They they do these things called leaps, which I didn't know about until these last two weeks. And the leap stages, I think Axel's in leap four. He's coming up on the end of it. They go through these very fussy stages, and then there'll be nothing but calmness. And in the leap stuff, I, I didn't really read if that's where the like maybe colicky stuff comes from or the sleep regression comes from, but it kind of aligns with it, honestly. So in these leaps, when they're fussy, they'll go through random periods where it's like, Axel right now, his fussiness in his leap four is he, he's very clingy. Like you put him down and he starts wailing, like tears will come out of his eyes. And it's like, dude, like, come on. Like we just need a break. Like, we can't constantly hold you. Like, I have to get stuff done. Mom has to get stuff done. I have to cook food. I have to make your bottle. You know, even even put him in a harness, he's good for five minutes. And then he realizes that your arms aren't physically around him. And he starts fussing. It's just like, oh, boy. But my my in my frustration yesterday, like, I, I left the house. Like, not in a negative way. I just, I knew I was reaching my breaking point. And I told my wife, you know, baby, I, please take him. Like, I know you wanted to get out and go to, go to the store and get like his formula and some other things, but I, I need to be the one to leave. Like I'm, I'm breaking right now. 
I can't listen to this or, or stand it right now. And she heard in my voice that I was truly struggling. And she was like, yeah, fine, like, go ahead. And uh, that right there is uh, a step forward and growth in me voicing my concerns with, you know, proper communication. And and if I didn't do that, if I just let her go, uh, nothing bad would have happened. But I feel like my mental state would have been a lot worse when she got back. And who knows how I would have reacted to that situation, to any situation that would come up. Like, she could have probably, the minimal, looked at me wrong. And I probably could have, boom, snapped, you know? And I'm just speaking hypothetical. It's probably subconscious telling me these things because of past experiences and uh, events that have happened. However, by me effectively communicating to my wife that I need that I was breaking was me in in turn being proactive about the future. And I came back and, you know, I I'd settled down after, you know, I I think I spent 45 minutes to an hour I went to Target to get formula and uh, some other things, you know, baby food cuz you know, he's approaching 6 months so we're starting him on vegetables, which that's a whole, a whole another story, which I, I had a, I had a video out thinking I knew, and this is where the trial and error comes from. I published a video on the YouTube channel showing how to properly feed a baby. And he was, and it was at four months when the pediatrician said you can move on. And he was loving it. He really was, but I had no fucking clue what I was doing. I thought I did. And in the video, I'm like, oh, yeah, you just let them suck the food off the off the spoon. It's like, no, you actually have to get it in there. You have to put the bottom of the spoon on top of their tongue, kind of tip the spoon up, pull it out and let their lip kind of, you know, let them pull it off like we do with our teeth and our lips. And it's just like, why wasn't it was the simplest thing that I was overlooking. And I was like, nope, taking that video down. That's fake. That's fake news. That's false information. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um and and uh, I, I'm, we're hoping that him getting on getting on the vegetables, these solid foods, will give him a little bit more full of a, a tummy at night, so he sleeps a little bit more sound. The last night we we started it, he had a little bit of um, oatmeal, and he it did, it did absolutely nothing the first night, and he's got I think November. You can plot it out, like just look up, look up. Um, baby leap charts l-e-a-p and you'll find all sorts of different ones and i forget the one that we're using I, i'm sorry i'm drawing a blank on the name i think it's like uh something wonder i don't, I don't know don't don't quote me on it but they go through a period of like i said fussiness whether it's just crying or they want to be clingy or I don't know, whatever your baby does to be fussy. And then they go through a certain period where all of a sudden it, it stops immediately. And that's when their brain starts implementing this new technique that they've learned, this new skill. And as, what it comes down to is the fussiness is them figuring things out. And then the calm phase, the calm before the next storm is them implementing the new techniques and skills that their brain has developed. 
And when you look at the core of it, that's pretty damn neat to me. However, in the moment, it can be severely frustrating. <laughs> uh, and that's where we're at now, is he's going through a really bad leap right now. And uh, his, his bedtime is shifted because he refuses to sleep. He's so fussy, he refuses to nap. And when he does nap, it's only maybe 30 minutes at a time. And he still wakes up with super red eyes. And then he eventually gets overtired. And when a baby is overtired, guess what they don't do? They don't sleep, which makes no sense. And it's just like, oh my goodness, child, just please go to bed. And it's, ugh. Who's beeping their horn? Sorry. So that's where the wife and I and Axel are at now. So I think November 15th or 19th, it's between those days, that's when the fussiness stage is over for Leap 4. And not to be the bearer of bad news, but they have leaps up until their a year and a half, I believe. 15 to 18 months, something like that. So do your research. I'm passing this on to you guys. Do your research on the leaps because without that knowledge prior to his his nanny Axel's nanny telling us about it who has experience because she has a three year old and she was a school teacher and previous nanny experience like she's given us a, a, a vast amount of knowledge it's been it's been amazing she's laid so many toolkits at our feet and the only decision we've had to make is to pick them up and use them so, that's pretty much where we're at now with him. I'm, I'm, as much as I'm tired and exhausted, and I cannot wait for December 31st to get here where I start working 25 minutes down the road instead of 90 minutes down the road, that'll be so much more time spent playing with him, being present, and being there to watch my son grow more. And uh, I guess I'll end it here because I don't really have much more to talk about unless I'll ramble on. But uh, just keep your heads up, guys. It, it can be very, very difficult unless you're one of those very rare dads with a baby who is not fussy whatsoever. Um, you know, bless you, know, bless your heart, guys. If you your baby is colicky and fussy, worse than I've described mine. My kid's an absolute perfect little ball of chunky joy and I love him and I don't ever I don't regret in any amount the amount is zero of being a dad being a father and having a kid with my loving wife if anything it's made me a better human being in all in all uh, facets of life but if you like this episode, as usual, leave a comment, answer the question down below. If there's a poll, please take it. I would love to get feedback from you guys. Put in there uh, questions that you have. I know this is an important part of being a dad is hearing the experience, especially new dads who are expecting soon or just found out they're pregnant and they're like, what in the food do we do? How do I dad? I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I can't give medical advice. I can just give you the insights and experience that I have. And that's what this whole podcast is about. Uh, 
regarding dadhood and being a, a man, being a husband. And if you want to follow me on socials, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, at New Dad City. Go check me out over there. I'm not going to beg you to like, share, or follow. You'll do that on your own accord. But I will ask of you, if you did find this stuff useful or you know a dad that's struggling, please pass this along. Hopefully they'll get something out of it. Any advice to me at that time when I was coming up before Axel was born was good advice because I knew nothing and I was very humble about knowing nothing. And if you're not humble now, you sure as shit will be when that kid's born, boy, I tell you. And as always, take care and keep on dadding, fellas.